All right. Good morning. Uh, Again, just glad that you're here with us. I'm really, really excited. And I want to start off by telling our seniors, first of all, how proud that I am of you guys and girls. And uh, I know that you're super excited because the day is finally here, the day that you've been waiting for, where you can pull away from your school for the very last time and know that you don't have to wake up the next morning and come right back, right? And so I know y'all are excited. Parents, I know that y'all are excited, kind of sad, kind of nervous at the same time. But let me give you a piece of advice. You've got about four years of freedom now before your kids move right back in with you. And... Uh, And so I encourage you to go on a long vacation and enjoy it and live it up, right? All joking aside, I really am excited. Congratulations. Uh, This morning, we've got something special for you. Uh, Two of our seniors have prepared something that they want to share with you. And so I don't want to take up too much of their time. And so we're going to jump right in to what we have. Mike and Trent have been preaching through a series of the last statements of Jesus on the cross. And it really has been a great series. And we're going to conclude that this morning. And so, if you will, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. And in this verse, it's Jesus' last statement that he says before his death on the cross. Luke 23 and verse 46. It says, And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit... My spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Jesus truly was a man who was in complete surrender to God, wasn't he? Uh, He was a man of total commitment. And literally his last statement that he makes on the cross is once again another statement of commitment to God's plan. Uh, He was completely bought in to what God had for him. And if you think about it, Jesus gave up everything in order to be committed, didn't he? Uh, If you just think about it for a second, he gave up his emotional mind to Jesus through the garden. Uh, He gave up his physical body to God through the cross. And now he gives up his spirit to God through this statement. Jesus gave everything he had. Why? Because he was completely and totally 100% bought in and committed to the plan that God had laid out for him. Literally, we have the statement, till death do us part, right? And Jesus was committed till death do us part, but that wasn't even enough to hold him back. Jesus was totally committed. When things got difficult, Jesus didn't quit. When things didn't go his way, Jesus didn't quit. When he was hurting like he had never hurt before, Jesus still refused to quit. When he was more ashamed, humiliated, abandoned, felt betrayed, and when he felt the most alone that he's ever felt in his life, Jesus still didn't quit. And thank God that today, whenever I fall away from him and I begin to live in this life of sin, our God, our Jesus still doesn't quit on us, does he? We have an amazing God. We, and you, look, you can clap for that. That's okay. <laughs> we have an amazing God. We have a committed Lord. And that gives us comfort. And that gives us hope. Because we live in a generation right now, and I think you would agree, that commitment is at an all-time low. Um, people just don't understand what commitment looks like anymore. And uh, I looked up some scary statistics 
before in prep for this lesson, and we don't have time to go into all of the things that I found, but you should look them up sometime. It's, it's really terrifying. When you look at things like the divorce rate, uh, if I remember correctly, it was over 40% of first marriages fail. And this year alone, I believe it had said we would have over 800,000 divorces in this year. Why? People don't understand what commitment really is. Uh, I also looked up some statistics of seniors who are, are Christians who have been going to church their whole lives, and then they graduate and they go off to college, and in their time there they lose their faith. That's scary stuff, isn't it? What's the problem? We don't understand what commitment is. You see, that's the fight that we're in as the church. We're in a fight for commitment. And we all have to answer that question, whether you're two years old or 19, about to go to college, or whether you're 90. I don't care what age you are. We all have to answer, who or what will I choose to be committed to today? And that's the most important question that we can ask. Well, I want to take you to my favorite verse on commitment. And it's a strange little verse. You may have read it before, but I guarantee you it probably hasn't made uh, your top uh, favorite verses list, uh, but it's really a, a great verse on commitment. It's in Second Samuel, chapter twenty-three. Second Samuel twenty-three, and verse twenty is where we're going to be in just a second. Uh, chapter twenty-three of, of Second Samuel is a really cool chapter. My dad used to uh, read me or, or tell me stories about David's mighty men. And I used to always love it because it was so much action and, and cool stuff. You know, I'm like, man, I don't want to listen to all the kissing and stuff. Like, like I want the swords and the fighting. And, and that's what David's mighty men was. That's what Second Samuel uh, chapter 23 is about. It's got stories like uh, the man named Eliezer who fought the Philistines so long and so hard that his, the, the scripture says his sword literally clung to his hand. And he couldn't let go of his sword. And it's got the, the story, remember, of the, the three men. And King David gets really thirsty, and they're in a battle with the Philistines in the wells over in the Philistine camp. And David says, oh, that someone would go and get me some water. And so what do the three guys do? They charge in through the enemy lines, through the entire Philistine camp, fighting their way through, go to the water, pull up some water. I guess still fending them off. I don't know how it looked. <laughs> they're drawing their water, pour it into a cup, fight their way all the way back to David, and they hand it to him. And what does he do? He pours it out. Man, how mad would you be if you're one of those three guys? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so it's, this is full of awesome stories of great acts of faith. And that's where we come to 2 Samuel chapter 23, starting in verse 20. And this is about a man named Benaiah. The son of Jehoiada was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. And then, listen to this. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Isn't that a weird verse? Isn't that strange? Uh, you're thinking, what does that have to do with commitment? And maybe you're thinking, well, compared to all those other things, that doesn't sound that great. And it may not to you until you understand a little something about Lions, And so I've got some lion facts I looked up. Um, check these out. They're really cool. First of all, lions are the most social of all the big cats. And they live in groups of up to 15 lions. 
Imagine walking through the woods and all of a sudden coming on 15 lions. And uh, they're called lion, what? Prides. Lion prides. And this is my favorite part about the lion. They're really, really intelligent. They know how life works. Um, I think, actually, ladies, I think you can take notes from the lion because the male lions defend the territory. And so they'll stay home and they'll, they'll make sure everything's okay. Um, and they also sleep 17 hours a day. And then the female lions do the hunting, right? Yet despite this, guess who gets to eat first? The male. Ladies, take notes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm looking at my wife over there. Uh, their teeth can grow close to three inches And each individual claw can be from an inch and a half to two inches long. And I think I read also that they're like retractable, so it's kind of like Wolverine. They're just coming out of nowhere and they'll stab you with them, so that way it doesn't, it keeps them sneaky, you know, the claws aren't getting caught on everything. Um, This is my favorite. A lion's roar can be heard from up to five miles away. And then the male lion weighs an average of between 400 and 500 pounds. And then they also weigh, the the biggest lion ever recorded was just over 600 pounds. All right, so you've got this killing machine that weighs 600 pounds, but check this out. At the same time, it can run for a short distance of up to 50 miles per hour. And it can leap as far as 36 feet. All right, so that's terrifying. And at the same time, the lion always walks on its toes, its heels. If you've ever seen them, they never, their heels never touch the ground. And so that keeps them stealthy. So you've got this five to 600-pound man-eating machine, completely stealthy, can't hear it, that can jump 36 feet and run 50 miles an hour. It's terrifying. And so maybe that kind of gives you a picture of why when it says that Benaiah went down into a pit... And the Hebrew word for pit there is the same word for like a dried up well. And and so this isn't like just some little hole. Like this is an old dried up well. He goes down into a pit on a snowy day. That's a weird story. Why did they have to tell us it was a snowy day? I think it's important. It's a snowy day. It makes it more difficult. Who's got the advantage? Yeah, obviously, Benaiah does, right? It's laughable. And, And he goes down into the pit with a lion. On a snowy day. And he kills this thing. Look, I can, uh, I can just picture this in a theater, right? Like you're sitting there and you're watching. This seems like Tarzan, you know? And, and you're watching this movie and he's chased this lion through the, the jungle, through the woods. And it's snowing and he can't hardly see. And all of a sudden this lion goes tumbling down into a pit. And, and, and you know, the crowd's like, oh, dude, that was so cool. That was awesome. And you're watching it like, yeah, he did it. And he begins to walk away from the pit. And you're thinking, all right, woo, he can go back and tell this really cool story at the barber shop with everybody. Dude, I chased a lion and it fell. And all of a sudden you realize that he's not walking away. He's just getting a running start. And he turns around and he goes and with this huge battle cry. Benaiah leaps down into the pit and disappears. I mean, can't you, can't you see that? And then all of a sudden through this surround sound in the theater that's so loud, you know how your insides tremble when the bass hits, you know? It, it, the lions roar comes through the speakers and you just hear them fighting for a little while and then it all goes silent 
And the only thing you can see, or, or, or the only movement you can see, the only sound you can hear, is the snow falling. And you're just looking at the edge of the pit, waiting to see who's going to emerge. And then, all of a sudden, a hand grabs the side, and he pulls himself out, and he drags himself out. And, and the triumphant music comes up, and he's limping, and he's clawed, and he's bloodied. But he has slain his lion. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Well, that, that to me, is exactly what I call commitment. I love that story. I love that verse. And, and, and I always wondered, why didn't he just leave the lion in the pit and walk away? You know, why, why, did he, why do you feel the need to go jump down after this thing? And I like to think it's because he knew that as long as he left that lion there, it could be a threat for someone else. I like to think that he's so committed to his mission that he saw this lion that he said, I have to take care of this now. This ends now that Benaiah was, was saying to himself, I may die, I may lose my life. But either way, I'm losing mine or he's losing his, but it ends today. That's what I call commitment. The man was a lion chaser. And here's, here's what I think. I think that we need more lion chasing Christians in our church today. More people who are willing to say, we're going to take care of the lions in our life, no matter what. And whether it gets me or I get it, it ends today. The people who have the courage to chase the lions. We all deal with lions. We all deal with lion-sized sins and temptations in our life that, that come inside and, man, it just feels like you can't get away. It feels like you're facing this 500-pound beast and there's no escape. And, and so we have to deal with these sins and these temptations. Actually, God, in the book of Peter, calls Satan a what? A lion. Seeking for someone to devour and so we have these sins, these temptations, we're battling against Satan. But not only that, we have lion-sized decisions to make, lion-sized opportunities to take hold of, and lion-sized fear to get past in order to do those things. And, and seniors, some of y'all are, are nervous now about where are we going to school, or what job am I going to get, or what does this look like? Parents, you're nervous about how are my kids going to do, are they going to make it? You've got all these decisions all of these opportunities, all of these lions to deal with. And what I love about it is that I think it's really interesting to note that not only does he go in and he slays a lion, but he does it on a snowy day. And I think sometimes it's hard enough, right? We're dealing with sin, we're dealing with temptation and Satan's and decisions and opportunities. But then sometimes we have to still fight lions on snowy days in the midst of bad circumstances. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble or tribulation. In other words, it's going to snow. It's going to be difficult. But the rest of that verse says, but take courage because I have what? Overcome the world. Jesus is saying, you can do this. And you're looking out and you see this 500-pound man-eating machine, this lion-sized sin and temptation that you say, I can't get past this. And he says, yes, you can, if you will be committed to me, because I've already overcome the world. You see, ours is a little bit different than Benaiah, because Benaiah, I think when he went down in the pit, he had no idea if he was going to survive, if he was going to win. But we've already been guaranteed the victory. Jesus Christ has already overcome the world, and so he promises that you will win if you will fight. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? 
But we still have to have to do it in the midst of snow. Death of loved ones come up, breakups of the home, broken relationships, loneliness, depression, worry, stress. But in the midst of it all, will we be like Jesus? Who still stay committed, even to the point of committing his spirit with his very last words. And will we be like Benaiah and decide to chase the lions in our life? And that's the question that only we can answer. Well, I want to introduce you to a couple of lion chasers themselves. Judge and Celeste, if y'all come on up. Uh, Judge and Celeste are graduating, and they have some words that they have prepared and they want to share with you. And so, I just want to come over here. I just want to say a prayer over both of them before they speak, and then uh, let them share. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for how committed you are to us. And how much you love us and how you never stop pursuing us. And how you're always knocking on the door waiting for us to come back to you. Uh, God, I thank you for Judge and Celeste in their hearts. And the work that they've put into what they want to say and what they want to share. And so I pray that you ease their nerves. And uh, God, I pray that, that we will be uh, very attentive, God. And understand that they have so much that we can benefit from. Uh, through what they're going to say. God, we love you. We thank you for them. I pray a special blessing on all of our seniors as they move into this new chapter of their life and ask that you'll be with them as they continue to stay committed to chasing every lion in their lives. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Check, check, check. There you go. Good morning. Oh, that just brought the whole podium down. Okay. Um, my name is Celeste Dobbs. I'm a graduating senior from West Washington High School. Um, we were asked today to talk about commitment and how it affects the decisions we make as we embark on this journey ahead of us. As we were preparing for this lesson, we came to the conclusion that altogether, we as seniors are committed to three main things. Hard work, family, and our faith. Hard work. Throughout the years of high school, we have learned what it means to be committed to our, to our education. But as we enter this next phase of our lives, we understand that this is going to take a whole new level of self-discipline, dedication, and focus. And as we face the many challenges that await, we will pursue the verse in Colossians 3.23, which states, Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Family. Throughout our years at uh, White's Ferry Road, we have learned what it means to be committed to a family. And through the things that this church has taught us, we are eager to take on these skills and the love we have found through this church and apply it to the new mission fields of our college campuses. Approaching our futures, we are also committed to the idea of leading our future families and becoming the spouses and parents we are called to be. In order to lead our families to Christ and to bring them to heaven and living the verse of Joshua 
It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Most importantly, we as seniors are committed to our faith. Going out into our different campuses, we are committed to using these campuses as platforms to display God's love to those around us. We are also committed to staying true to God's commands as we face the trials that await. That is what we as seniors are committed to. We are committed to the verse in 1 Kings 8.61, which says, And may you be completely faithful to the Lord your God. May you always obey his decrees and commands just as you are doing today. We are committed to what God has told us in this book right here. And we are committed to what this church has given us. All the Sunday school lessons and everything the people here have taught us. We are committed to sticking by that and following everything we've been taught. Thank you. family. Um, I'm Judge Fortenberry. I'm a senior graduating from Washita Christian School. I've been a member of this church ever since the day I was born. Uh, my parents are Rick and Shelby Fortenberry. Um, they've been two of the biggest and greatest impacts on my life. Um, as we talk about commitment today, I want to talk a little bit about where I personally get my desire for commitment. <clears throat> ever since I can remember, my dad and I have always had this verse that he shared with me. And if you're, if you're a dad and you have a son, you need to write this verse down because this verse can, I mean, it can change the way you, you parent your sons and it, it'll honestly change the way your son lives his life. I know it surely has mine. Um, the verse is 1 Kings 2, 1 through 3. And like I said, it's always been kind of mine and dad's verse um, for us. And as we're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory on uh, where it comes from. David is on his deathbed. And he's on his way to die, and so he calls his son in, his Solomon, his son. He calls him into the room, and he tells him three things. And it's the three most important things that he can think of to tell him before he dies. The last three things he wants to tell him. This is what he says. If you would follow along with me. Verse 1. He said, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord God requires of you. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. And that verse is so powerful. It's huge. And so the three things he tells him, he says, be strong, be a man, and follow my decrees and commands. Be devoted to the charge that you've been given by God. 
Um, Dad always kind of went through those with me individually. And he taught me to be strong spiritually. No matter if I'm at the highest point of my life or the lowest point, trusting God, follow what God's told you to do, and he'll get you back to where you need to be. Be a man. And, uh, wow, there's a lot more to that than meets the eye. Um, I'm 19, and I don't think I'll ever be done figuring out what that means. Um, Dad told me a few things that is involved in being a man. Growing up, he told me being a man involves being a leader, being trustworthy, being honorable, being fearless. He, He always says, you know, don't back down from something just because it intimidates you or because you're scared of it. You know, oftentimes the most rewarding things in life are the things that we're scared of when we accomplish them. It's such, an, it's such a reward when we, when we achieve that goal. And lastly, he taught me that being a man meant being respectful. Being respectful, being respectful to my elders, to women, and, and all others around. The last and third thing he tells his son is, and Dad always said, you know, this is the most important one. Don't forget this. This is what you're here on earth to do. The third one is be devoted to the charge that you've been given by God. And that charge, that charge is, is everything, everything that he has told us in this book. Taking charge of that is following what he's told us. Dad always told me, he said, on my totem pole, it's God, my wife, my kids, and my church family. And if you notice, it's top four, and he never mentioned himself. And that's what we're called to be. We're called here to serve others. And, and Dad always showed that with impeccable integrity. Um, if you know him, it doesn't matter where you know him from, you know the Rick Fortenberry that I know. You know, My mom. Um, <laughs> My mom is awesome. I love her to death. If you know her, she's a character. Um, (laughs) I love her to death. She taught me how to be committed to forgiveness. Um, When my sister Celia and I were younger, we used to to fight like cats and dogs. But um, (laughs) mom would always separate us, and she would make one person say, I'm sorry. And the other person had to say, you're forgiven. Not, it's okay. And not, it's fine. Because she used to say, you know, sometimes somebody will hurt you, and it's not okay. It's not just fine. It's not all right that they did it. But they still need to be forgiven. And I'll always remember her saying that. And being committed to it, you know, sometimes it's not enough. If somebody hurts you bad enough, sometimes it's not enough to just forgive them once, and then, you know, the next day you'd be mad at them. Sometimes it takes commitment and waking up every morning. And the first thing you do is forgive that person in your heart. And sometimes that's tough. Sometimes it's one of the hardest things to do. But it's what we're called to do. Um, another person that's taught me a lot about commitment is Miss Lindy Loveland. And wow. Uh, Miss Lindy never ceases to amaze me. Um, Everybody in here should know Miss Lindy. She's involved in everything. Uh, she writes plays for the church, writes songs. Everything that you do with your kids, your kids know Miss Lindy. I promise. <laughs> she's doing everything with your kids. And 
you know, she's at OCS, she's writing plays, and she's choreographing plays at, at uh, OCS. Along with that, she's teaching classes. And on top of all that, she's raising a great family. Miss Lindy taught me a lot about commitment to hard work and service. Miss Lindy is one of the busiest people I know. I've never gone over to her house and her not be doing something, whether it's painting in the garage or, or whatever it is. She's always doing something. But you know, she taught me no matter how busy you are or how booked your schedule is, you're never too busy to do God's work. You're never too busy to stop and, and say a prayer with somebody that needs it. Stop and give somebody a smile or an encouraging word. Um... Even the small things she taught me will lift somebody's spirits. And that doesn't take a whole lot of time. You're never too busy for that. Commitment to hard work and service. Mr. David Bromley. Um, he taught me commitment to people. Um, he uses the phrase, some people are EGR. And by that he means extra grace required. <laughs> And as funny as that is, it's true. You know, everybody knows somebody that's EGR. But he would always say, he'd say, some people are EGR. But if you will keep showing them God's love and God's grace, I guarantee you that they will come around. And if we keep showing people how Christ has loved the church, and we love them like that, I guarantee they'll come around every time. That was commitment to people from Mr. David. Spencer Carroll. Um, Spencer was my youth minister ever since ever since I gained, since I came into the youth group to my junior year. And he, he's he's like a best friend to me, and he taught me one of the most valuable skills that you can give somebody. He taught me commitment to thinking spiritually. And, and, and walking side by side with, with Spencer, I learned to ask myself, where am I at with my, on my journey with God? And, and this stuff that I really believe, why do I actually believe it? Is it tradition? Is, is it what my parents have taught me? If I was to have a conversation with somebody, could I back it all up? Why do I believe what I believe? Um, <laughs> Spencer used to ask us this question, and... I'm sure everybody in this church has been asked the question, if you died right now, where would you go? And a lot of times it's a piece of paper and it's got heaven, hell, and then why. And like I said, I'm sure everybody's been asked that question. Spencer had a little bit different twist on it. Um, Spencer seemed to ask us that same question every day of every week of every month for two years. Um, And at the time it was... You know, it, it was so aggravating because I was like, it's the same thing over and over again. And I'd get the paper, circle heaven, and just turn it back in. And it took about a year and a half, a whole year and a half, before I started actually thinking about the question. And then I get, began to ask myself, well, why do I think that? Am I just entitled to heaven because I grew up in the church and because my, my parents are godly people? No. 
You know, that's not that's not how this works. And and I had to start doing some self evaluation and thinking, all right, how how am I in standing with God? Where am I? And he taught me that that however whatever part of life you're in, you've got to do the self evaluation before you can go anywhere. He said he used to say, um, you can't you can't proceed until you know where you're coming from. You can't grow until you know where you're coming from. So he gave me he gave me the gift of being committed to thinking spiritually and self-evaluation. Mr. Paul Stevens, um, he taught me commitment to family. If you know Mr. Paul, you know he is a diehard family man to the core. Everything he does revolves around his family and his, his forever family and his friends. He taught me to pray for my future spouse, which is an odd concept at first, but he taught me to pray for my future spouse and my marriage, my future marriage and, and, and how, how we will work together, and to pray for my future spouse and that she is being raised in the way she should go and she was abiding by God's commands. He taught me that the decisions that I make now, that I'm making in high school and as I proceed to college, could affect the way that I, I raise my family in the future and how I treat my kids. And, and the decisions I make now could affect my children, you know, 20, 30 years down the road. And that's, that's an incredible concept to think about that. That our sins aren't immediate. They don't just hurt us. That it can hurt a lifeline and a, and a family line. That's an incredible concept. Um, and to be committed, he told me one time, be committed to the, being the person that you want your kids to know as their dad. And going into college, that's big. That's big to hear that. That's a big pill to swallow. Commitment to family. That was a big one. And to my church family, um, I want to thank you all personally for being committed to us as seniors. And I'm speaking on behalf of the seniors. You know, we're so grateful for the love that you've showed to us and, and the seed that you've planted in us. Whether it's through the Sunday morning Bible classes or Wednesday night or Sunday nights or coffee or going out to eat or whatever it is, mentoring us. It's meant a lot. And a lot of times it might mean more than you realize. Um, you know, I can tell you different things about individuals in this church that they said one time and they don't even remember it, but I remember it. Like uh, Mike Kelly one time taught a lesson as odd as it is that I remember this. He taught a lesson one time. I was probably eight. But the title of the lesson always stuck in my head, and I, I use it all the time today. He said, the heart of the, in whatever circumstance it is, a lot of times the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And where are you at with God? And you know, I mean, he probably doesn't even know that that meant a lot to me. So I want to thank you as a church family for all that you've done to us, for us and, and being committed to us. Planting that seed that we will continue to grow 
as we advance to college or going straight to work. So thank you all for that. Um, and lastly, as, as Brahma would always say, if you don't get anything else, get this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you all heard Mr. Brahma say that. But um, really, if you, don't, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. In whatever circumstance that you encounter, whatever trials you go through, be wholeheartedly devoted to the charge that you have been given by God. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the future is bright, isn't it? Um, and I hate that statement. It really drives me nuts when people say that, that the youth is the future of the church because they're the now of the church. Um, they are what they do. The decisions that you guys make uh, matter to us right now and matter to God as well. Thank you. Thank you. You two. Great job. Let's give them another round. Of applause. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the service this morning. And uh, if you're sitting out there and you've heard something and you, you begin to think, man, you know, I've never said that, sta- that same statement that Jesus said on the cross. When he looked up to God and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, then you're going to have that opportunity right now to come down here and to, to commit your life to God, to give him everything you've got and to be baptized into Christ. But maybe you've already made that commitment and taken those steps. But you look at your life and you think, man, I have not been as committed as I know that I should be. Then we encourage you to come down and let us pray over you as you renew your commitment to God. As my father always said, what better time than to take those steps down the aisle than right now. Won't you come while together we stand and sing.